Um, but, you know, final words are probably m the most important words you're ever going to hear. Um, when you love someone so much and you know that you only have a certain amount of time with them and may, they may be inhaling and exhaling their last breaths, you really lean in and listen to them. You take your phones and you put them aside because you go, there's no interruption that I need that's greater than what these people are about to tell me. If you've ever had final words with maybe a mom or a dad or a grandfather or a grandmother or even in the most worst way, a child or a spouse, you really put everything aside and you go, I need to pay attention to this. I really need to listen. Even in the scriptures, we understand that even Paul, when he was at his last moments, Paul sent out for a guy by the name of Epaphroditus. Can you imagine that name? You know, filling the birth certificate out and, and teacher in class, you know, or being a bus driver and go, son, what is your name? My name is Epaphroditus, right? And you guys spell that for me, please. And um, you think about um, Paul in his last moments. He was in prison. You know what Paul asked for? Paul said, bring me the parchments. Paul said, bring me, the paper, bring me the word of God. Paul said, in the days, if I'm going to be in here, bring me the word of God, because that's what I need. As Rhonda shared in her testimony a while ago, it's the word of God in our times of sorrow and in our times of joy that we need the most. And if that's not enough to really stop and make you think about it, we in the church tend to really hang up, especially in Easter seasons and stuff, to think about the seven things that Jesus said from the cross. Brother Carl, we stop and focus on them in such a way that, that we break them down and look at where he said, Woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother, or, or I'm thirsty. The one thing of all that I look at in all the things that Jesus said when he was on the cross, I often was, I was puzzled by it, Brother Butch. It's like he said things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you go, man, what a great statement to, to close with. And then you see in all those seven, I thirst. And you go, what in the world? I mean, that just kind of like in the middle of a service going, I'm hungry, you know, I thirst. And it's Jesus calling out in humanity, letting us know as the Son of God, He was the Son of Man. And He says that humanity, He was that one that had that flesh that was hurting and that He went, you know, in all of it all, I'm trying to compose myself, but in all of it all, He's crying out, trying to give us good things in His final words. And He lets us know and goes, I'm thirsty. And nobody would give Him anything to drink. And Roman soldiers came and took a sponge and put it on the end of a reed, a, a, a hyssop reed about four or five foot long. That was actually the reeds that they, they beat and drove the crown of thorns on his head. And nobody would give him anything to drink, but they had a mixture of soured wine or old, old spoiled wine that they called gall or vinegar. And it was actually drugged because it was, it was a wine that had messed up so much that the alcohol content would actually make the people who were being crucified or being beaten, Sister Lord, to make them kind of feel like it's almost a, a morphine kind of thing to just get them through the pain. And when it touched the lips of Jesus, you remember, he didn't take that. He didn't drink the cup that even Pilate offered him that was that same stuff. But nobody would give him. And Jesus was just there dying for them all. And all he said was, I'm thirsty. Man, if I had a glass of water. Man, if I could do it today. But see, the difference is, is that we really wouldn't. We're just like those that did that. We didn't crucify him, so to say, in the flesh, but we are the ones that our sins put him on that. And so when final words are spoken, you really pay attention. 
I think there was a phrase years ago, I can't remember if it was a governor candidate or whatever, but E.F. Hudden, his whole phrase was is that everybody listens when he speaks, right? Everyone listens. But I remember one preacher said that when God speaks, everybody listens, and even E.F. Hutton, right? So we need to pay attention to what God's telling us today. Look at Revelation chapter 22. Open your Bibles up there. Uh, this will it'll be later on the screens. But look at this portion of Scripture. The Bible says in verse number 6, And he said unto me, These sayings are true, or faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show unto his servants the things that would shortly come to pass or the things that must shortly be done. Look at what Jesus says. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he, or blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then he saith unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. And look at what John was told by this angel. He said, If you worship anybody, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, listen to these words. He said, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him continue to be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him continue to be holy or continuously or to be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his, uh, as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end and the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they might have the right of the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without the city, it says, are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whoever or whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Jesus, or excuse me, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify of you of these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written within this book. It says, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things says... Surely I come quickly. And look at John's response. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Father, as we look into the scriptures this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. We pray, Lord, that it's your discernment, your wisdom, your voice, your Holy Spirit that gives that. Father, I pray that you would remove me out of the equation totally, that I would just be a megaphone, a mouthpiece, a microphone, and that's all. Nothing else, Lord. Let me not interrupt what you may be doing in someone's heart. Let me not interrupt, Lord, the worship that someone may be giving unto you, unto your Son, Jesus Christ. God, speak to us today like you never have before. Lord, we ask you this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When you're looking at the word. Listen, the Bible teaches us that there's a final authority. There's a final authority. You know, a lot of people think that the final authority is when a dad comes in and they say, I said do it. I'm the final authority. 
right? That's not the final. Now, now, if they told you to do something in the house, you need to pay attention to that. They may be the final authority at uh, 2196 Mahaffey Road. I'm the final authority on that stuff. But they may be the final authority on certain things that they're trying to get you to do. But when you're looking at this scripture, I have to tell you this, and I don't want to bust people's bubble. Or I don't want to kind of make you upset with me today or, as we say, hurt your feelings or anything like that. But when it comes to scripture, when it comes to doctrine, and when it comes to Christian living... It is not what John MacArthur says about it. It is not what Charles Stanley says about it. David Jeremiah says about it. It is not what Charles Stanley, it's not what uh, Adrian Rogers, it's not what Steve Abney, it's not what preachers say about it at all. And I have to tell you this, it's not what your mama and your daddy says about it or your grandmother or your grandmother says about it. When it comes to final authority, when it comes to should I do this or should I not do this, should I live this way or should I not live this way, the final authority is found in the Word of God. And the Word of God is easily understood. No matter how you read this, no matter if you read it in the translation that we would read in King James, New King James, it doesn't matter if you're reading the English Standard Version. The, the Word of God's not hard. And Christians need to stop trying to convince people that the Word of God is this difficult book and that it's a hard book. Because most of the time, the reason that most people say it's too difficult, it's too hard for me, is because true Christians actually know that when they do read it and understand it, now you're going to have to live by it. Amen? And I, I remember the first youth pastoring place. Uh, well, it was actually the second. I was a youth pastor at Castle Heights Baptist Church. And then I was a youth pastor in Fultondale. And I'll never forget, we're sitting in this long row. Uh, Ashley Barnes was in my youth group, which means she's old. I'm good, but she's old. But uh, sitting in the youth group, and I can remember sitting there looking at them. And we're talking about the Word of God. And so I'm trying to get these young teenagers to, to be excited about the Word. I mean, we get excited about everything else. Church is not about getting excited about the songs and about how he preaches or, or how they testify or how they do this or, or how she teaches Sunday school. It, that's not what church is about. It's not about what it looks like inside, what you're setting on or anything. There are people today, listen, they've already began their day setting on their behinds on the dirt underneath a tree in Africa or in India listening to the Word of God. It's not about all this stuff. No, it's about what happens. So I was trying to get these teenagers to understand it. And so I'm talking to them about the Word. And I, I looked at them and I said, I want you to convince me to become a believer. I want you to convince me that what you have is what I need. And so Brother Clint Davison, pastor, and the family is here this morning, but he pastors Kimberly First Baptist. And, and he was there. He was the young preacher boy, so he started just popping it off, man. He, it, Romans 10, 9 and 10. First John, uh, uh, you know, uh, 1 and 9. He's popping these scriptures off and doing all this stuff. And I was like, but I don't believe in the Bible. He was like, oh. And so they began to go back, you know, and I'm like, well, even your Bible, where's all this? And, and, and I was trying to scientifically come at them and stuff. And, and finally, Brother Clint just looked at me and said, Brother Steve, he said, you're just going to have to die and go to hell because I don't know what to do for you. And I was like, man. And so I was, saying, I was asking them, do you read your Bible, guys? Do you read? Do you study the Word of God? And this is what a teenager told me. It wasn't Clint. It was another guy in the class. I said, do you read? Do you study? These are the words he said. He said, I heard a preacher tell me that the more that I know about the Word of God, the more I would be held accountable for so I don't read my Bible. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's the smartest thing, if you stop and think about it for a moment, but it is the absolute 
Dumbest thing that a Christian, you're missing out on so many promises. You're missing out on so much instruction. You're missing out on so much wisdom. You're going to actually learn things the hard way that God has already given you instructions on in the Bible. Because you don't want to read it. Because why? Because you know if you understand it, then you're going to be held accountable to it. The Bible says there is one final authority. We have read this book. We have, we have searched, and if you've been here for 20 years, we have searched from Genesis all the way into Revelation. And I can remember last June praying, God, seriously, we're going to do Revelation on a Sunday morning? You know how many people that come in that are on the fence or, or straddling the fence, or yet they're, they're unbelievers, and how many people come in that may be lost, and, and they need direction in that. And Lord, we're going to be going through one of the most difficult books of of the Bible, and he was like, well, listen, these things are not difficult. We preach the Word of God, and, and I said, but on Sunday morning, Lord, I can understand. We've done it on Wednesday night before, I mean, you know, years ago, back in 2004. We, we walked all the way through it, but verse by verse, God, because why? It's the final authority. We have searched, and this is what people do with the book of Revelation. Let me show you what we do. We look over here, and I'm going to show you how you're probably uh, a little bit like that guy that was in my youth class, the first one, right? Um, he finally got right with the Lord. But you look over here in chapter 1 of Revelation and you go, wow, man. There's Jesus, and look at all the images that it says about him. He's got eyes like a flame of fire. And we get so excited, and we go, I'm going to write a song about that. You know, he's got, he's got feet that are like fine brass, as though, and the Scripture says, as, it's like he's walked through the fire. And then maybe somebody said, you remember he was with those three Hebrew boys in the fire. They said, the king said, you know, uh, did we not throw three in? He said, but when I looked in there, there's four. And one of them is the image of the Son of God, you know. And we look at that, and you get all excited, and you go, man, I'm going to love this book. I'm going to dive right into this book. And chapters 2 and 3 come along and he begins to reveal what kind of church that you are. And you go, well, hold up, man. Wait a minute. The church at Sardis, you, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. And you go, wait a minute. The church at Smyrna, that he that endures to the end, listen, that had a pastor by the name of Polycarp that was burned at the stake. You know, and you look and you go, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the good church, Lord. I'm going to be that church. And then you get over there to that lukewarm church, you know, that he says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And you go, man. But then in chapters 4 and 5, you get this wonderful jump-up revival kind of thing because you're going in, John's going into the throne room of God, and he is actually detailing everything that's in the throne room. And he says, God's on the throne the Father, and he's got a scroll in his hand, and he said he turns around and he looks, and Jesus is in the middle, the, as we say in the country, smack dab in the middle of the throne room, and he's standing there as a lamb that had been slain. And you hear those words of John, and you're going, man, that's crazy. I don't understand what that means. It means in the Hebrew, it's the word anastasis, or histami in the Greek, not Hebrew in the Greek, histami, anastasis. And it means that John, he turned around, and he saw a lamb that, was, that looked dead because it had marks that could or should have killed it but yet it is standing and the word anastasis means he's standing again which means at one time he was dead but yet at this time he's standing again talking about Jesus in the resurrection and John man you're in you're going man that's good brother Steve and then chapter number six and the seals were opened up and you're thinking all right what kind of blessings are going to come now and the first seal was opened up and a fourth of the earth was burned wait what and the second seal, and the second trumpet, and the third trumpet, a, a fourth of the rivers and the fresh waters of the earth were turned to blood. And, and the fourth trumpet blasted, and a star fell out of heaven by the name of Wormwood and caused everything to be bitter. And you're going, 
dude, I thought this was going to be better than that. And you're looking at the vials of God's judgment being poured out of those six, seven vials of wrath. And all of a sudden, what do you do? You go, oh, this is just too hard. And you close the book up. If you do that, you miss final words. How many of you remember... Now, I know times are different now. We live in a very COVID, and we live in a very different time zone or time uh, era right now. But I can remember the days where when the adults were around the table and they were eating. There was, there was this weird time where, like, adults ate first, and then the kids ate second. I know looking at me, you go, there was not in your time. It was in my time. I, you know, as one guy said, we got the leftover fat back from the gravy, you know, and a little dab of beans. Because there was nothing left. And when the kids finally got up to the table, that's when hot coffee was served. And it was a weird time because they would make coffee so steaming hot that they would pour it in a saucer and then sip on it. And I'm going, why don't you just let that cool? That's why we got a generation of people today that go, we're just not going to do that. We're just going to stick ice all in ours. And it's just going to go ahead and be cold, you know. We're so different from the generation that we kind of grew up in and stuff. But I can remember... I can remember, just like it was yesterday, you kids go out in the yard. You know what that means? Us adults are going to talk. Most of the time, 99% of the time, us adults are going to talk about you kids. You know, that's why we need you to go in the yard. But the other thing was is that sometimes there was wisdom around that table. And when certain people spoke at that table, you stopped. You stopped. Even as a kid, and you're goofing, and you're making faces over at somebody, when Papa would say something, my, my, my dad's dad didn't speak very often. Most of the time at the table, it was just bringing it in. You know what I mean? We're just doing what we're doing. This is dinner time. We do what we do. But when he would say certain things like, don't do that, or he would give instructions and stuff, you would miss out so many times if you just marked it up and said, you know, oh, he's older and really doesn't know what he's talking about. No, they do. And then the scripture right here, we get all the way to Revelation chapter 22, and God begins to speak to us, not only in a way that's wonderful, but if you look back, he begins to speak in words of red to us and understanding that Jesus is speaking. He's beginning to testify of the things that are about to come, the things that are about to happen. And this final authority, the first thing I want you to see is, is the faithfulness of God's word. I want you to look at God's faithfulness in his word. The Bible says in verse number 6, He said unto me, these things, these sayings, are what? Faithful and true. It's amazing that at the end of this book, God reels us all back in. And this has been said, this word right here, faithful and true, has been said multiple times throughout the book of Revelation. And it's like God corrals us all one more time, and he brings us in, Brother Craig, and he goes, let me remind you one more time that the words you're reading are faithful. You say, what do you mean by that? What did God mean by that? What he meant is, is that if he said it, he will accomplish it. If he said it, then you can hold on to it. If he gave you a promise, you can hold on to that promise and know always that you can depend on it. He said that even if you sin in 1 John 1 and 9, that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's where it goes back to what Rhonda testified earlier, that that scripture in Romans chapter number 8, at the very end of it all, it says what we hold on 
on to that because nothing can separate us from the Word of God. You can take everything we have, but you can't separate us from the Word of God. My favorite part about that scripture, Rhonda, is the very first thing. I know that yours was the latter things, and I know why and understand because we always look to that. But I love the very first phrase. You know what Paul said? I am persuaded. And what Paul's saying is, is if you could see inside my heart, Paul says, I am, oh man, he says, I am moved by the Word of God. Paul says, I am convinced of the fact that there is no life, no death, no darkness, no principalities, no powers, nor things present, nor things to come, because shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord, our Lord. Amen. He said, I'm persuaded. He also said in the Scriptures later, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day, which means to tell me today that what he has given me by grace... I I cannot lose by my goofiness, by my failures, and by my faults because it was given unto me by grace. Man, isn't that good? He said it's faithful. And that's where we can look at it and we don't have to go, I wonder if God is going to keep his promise today. God, do you even know what's going on in the world today? Do you even know what's going on in America today? Do you even understand what's happening? His word says nothing shall separate us. That's joy, amen? Listen, it's faithful and I love this. It's true. What's the first sin in the Bible. Most every child, most every person in here, if I ask you what is the first sin in the Bible, immediately you would go to when Eve took of the fruit of the tree and ate of it. You super spiritual men would say no, when Adam, or you women might say it, it's when Adam ate of it. <laughs> right? Everybody would be wrong. The first sin in the Bible that we see is when God gave Adam and Eve the word, do not do this, and they begin to question God's word. The first tactic that the devil will come at you with is he will give you truth and he will cause you to question what God has said is true. He will cause you to go, did the Lord really say it that way? That's the very first thing that Satan slithered out of his mouth. Did the Lord say you would surely die? I mean, do you think really that God's going to create all of this, create you, put you in this wonderful blessing, and then kill you. What he causes you to do is question God's word. So many times we do that. So many times we miss out on walking a Christian life by doing what? Questioning things. Looking at this in a scientific observation. Looking at this in a theological sense. And trying to put it in our earthly and worldly theological system our worldly understanding of all of this stuff and what we're doing we are taking our education of the world and bringing theology together and you can't mix it do you know what theology is you know i had a person one time when i, I received my bachelor's in theology and i'm working now on a master's in divinity and somebody said the candy you know no i'm not i conquered that one a long time ago no Someone said, do you even know what theology is? They were trying to be a smart aleck to me and think, you know, going to catch you. Do you know what theology is? I said, yeah. Theos is God. Theology is the study of God. They said, do you know everything about him? I said, absolutely not. A theology, no matter if it's a master's, bachelor's, or associate's, or a, a doctorate degree or anything, you're never going to understand it all. But you cannot take your worldly education and try to bring it with theology of God. Because then what you make, listen to me, then what you create is an Americanized Christianity. 
to where you've taken all the things that you love, all the things that we are pleasurable to us, and we bring it to the table and go, all right, God, I'm not going to do this. Absolutely. But can, can, can I have this? Can I keep this? Can I do this? And before long, what you do is, is you're going, does God really say it that way? Does God really do it this way? Now, some of you are looking at me and you're saying, Brother Steve, do you read the Bible at face value? We absolutely should read the Bible and understand it. So, you know, we talk about things, you know, people, people argue about, you know, should you get a tattoo or whatever? I, I've thought about getting one that, that's right here on my blood vessel, right here, that says, here. <laughs> because constantly they want to go to this arm, and I'm like, no, it's here. And they, they, they feel of it. The other day I said, I even told a lady, I said, look, it's right here. It runs this way. And I wasn't being a smart aleck. I wanted to go, if you'll give me that needle, I will do it myself. But it was right here, and she came in this way. And she said, well, huh, it's not there. I said, no, ma'am, it's, it's right here. She turned it and went, oh, there it is. And I was like, <laughs> uh, you know. And then we look at all this other stuff. We look at Old Testament scriptures and try to bring it all together in what we want to do. And, I, you know, I've had people tell me before, it's not right for you to shave your head. I've had people tell me before that I shouldn't take my coat off and I always should wear a tie. And my first response to them is, how much do you weigh? <laughs> right? But they always they go, you shouldn't cut and you shouldn't have a goatee. Some of you guys that are here this morning, you got goatees. You're sinful. Because you look back at the book of Leviticus and it says, don't cut the corners of your beard. You're not supposed to cut those things off. And people are not understanding Scripture. These people had just come out of Egypt where false gods were worshipped, those Egyptian uh, people, and they had the huge goatees and the big old sarcophaguses and all that stuff. And people are like, they don't understand because they're not reading Scripture. Because, listen, this is what we do. Please pay attention. Don't miss me this morning. But the reason that we mess up is because we try to put our stuff into Scripture instead of allowing Scripture to speak to us. We can trust, please listen to me, we can trust the faithfulness of God's Word. You can trust Psalms 37 when it says, Fret not thyself, but delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee thine heart's desire. You can trust in Psalms 23 where it says, Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're not alone. You can trust in Psalms 34 and verse 19 that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. You can trust that when he says that he has forgiveness for you for sins in past, for sins in present, and for sins for tomorrow, you can trust in the fact that he has forgiveness. Enough reserve that you don't have to go, oh no, I wonder if my withdrawal of forgiveness will come through today because there's enough stored up for everybody. You have enough. The Bible says that God's word is faithful and it's true, but our sin is, is that we look at it in the light of trying to figure something out. Listen to what Peter said about it in 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse number 16. He says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we may known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Do you see those words? Do you see the, how, even to me, you know, and, and, and listen, I, I was never very good in the, the Shakespeare and all that good stuff. Miss Abel's class, eighth grade, you know, and I can remember trying to read that where they would go, you know, hark what light through yonder window breaks. It is the east and Juliet is the sun. You know, arise first sun and kill the image. I was more like Andy Griffith. Hark, you know, what light through yonder window. Who, who, it, it's me. I'm right here, right? You know, I'm that school. But look at these words. Really look at this. And it seems difficult because of the style. 
But man, you hear, you hear God speaking through Peter as these things are being pinned down. He says, we've not followed cunningly devised fables. He said, we've not sat around the round table and made up stories and tried to connect them ourselves. He says, Brother Heath, we've not sat around and come up with logos and letterheads and styles and, and walls. With it. He said, we've not followed cunningly devised fables where, where we look through old scriptures and go, how could we make that fit? Because I'm telling you, according to all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, and looking at this book, we have over thousands of years, 35, 3,800 years of time span between the writers, over 40 plus writers that we have writing, and every single thing hinges on the centrality, the wonderful truth of Jesus Christ. Every single thing. Everything that Moses talked about, Jesus fulfilled. Everything they did in the tabernacle in the wilderness, Jesus was the shadow, or excuse me, was a shadow of Jesus. All the way into the New Testament and Hebrews looking back, and all this, and it's a book that Stephen King or the greatest novelist couldn't write all this stuff down. And we have that Bible at our hands reach. We have it right there. And he says, we've not followed. Peter is trying to convince us. We've not followed fables, fairy tales, and just think about it all. But it says, when we were made known unto you, the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, he put that in there in between those commas and we look at it as the inspired word of God. He said, we've not followed cunningly devised fables. He didn't say to make you join a church or to make you give to the ministry or to make you do this. Peter's not concerned with that stuff when he's making this statement. He said, we've not made up a fairy tale when we're telling you about the coming of Jesus Christ. We're not making up a fairy tale when we're going to show you. And look at the word power. The word power there is in the Greek dunamis. It means dynamite power. Boom! Dynamite. Amen? Amen. And he's saying, we made known unto you the power. What is the power? Paul talked about the power. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. When these New Testament apostles used the word power. They were talking about the power that raised Jesus, Nick, out of the grave. And the power that took you out of the deadness of your sins and gave you new life. Amen? Somebody ought to just send them and say, yes! Right? Listen, the Bible says, we've not made up these fables to teach you about the gospel and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the greatest part of it all. It says, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. You know what he's saying in our terminology? I saw it with my own eyes. Right? I saw it with my own eyes. You say, what is Peter talking about? How can Peter make a statement like this, but yet Judas Iscariot can't? How can Peter make a statement like this, but Levi or Matthew can't make the statement like this? How can Peter make this statement, and you and I can't make the statement? Because one day, one day, Jesus looked at Peter and James and John and said, Guys, y'all come with me. He said, you come up with me. And they were going up, and the Bible says that Jesus took them upon a mountain. And while they were on top of that mountain, the Bible says that Jesus was repaired or transfigured into his glory. He, he actually showed them a glimpse of the glory of who he is in all of it. And it's almost, if you look at it, it's like he pulled back the, the shell of flesh that he was in, and he showed them actually who he was. And they were so excited. They said, this is what they said. They said, we ought to be build a statue up here. Right? Why do we do that? 
Why do we get so excited about worship and who he is? And then when it's over with, we go, we ought to build us a monument. We ought to build us a statue right here about this. You know what? It's because if we look at Old Testament and we have a twisted understanding of it, every time they went, Abraham went into this place, he dug a well and he built an altar. He went over here out of the land of Ur and he came into Israel and he dug a well and built an altar. He dug a well and built an altar. Why? Because he needed water because of life-sustaining and he knew he needed God because he was a greater life-sustainer. Look at this scripture. You see the faithfulness of God's word. Look at what Peter said later on in that chapter. I think it's in verse number 19 through 21. It says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day shall arise in your heart, knowing this first, that no prophecy is of scripture, or excuse me, of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke or spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Look back at the beginning of that and you'll see the greatest statement that you could ever have in 2020. And Lord knows we need some good news in 2020. Look at the first part. It says, we have. You know, we do this a lot of times. When we were in church, we used to do this. Hey, turn to your neighbor and shake their hand. And now it's like, unclean, unclean, don't touch me. You know what I mean? Someone sneezes in church. You should see the facial expressions that I see. I bet they have the coronavirus. It says, we have. I'm serious. Listen, you all say it out loud. Say it with me. We have. If you've got your Bible, we have. It says this. This is great. This is not Peter looking back at the Old Testament prophets and going, but it's him looking back going, Isaiah, you talked about in Isaiah chapter 53, one that would come that would be like a lamb led to the slaughter. Before his shears, he would be dumb. He would go to a death, laying down his life. And because he is beat, because his stripes are on his back, Brandon, I can have healing. I can have wonderful, glorious salvation. And Isaiah said it all. He looked at Jonah the prophet, Hosea. He looked at all of those Old Testament prophets. And he said, everything you had, you had a good word is what he was saying. You had a good word of prophecy. But he says in the New Testament to you and I, he said, we have a more sure word. It, it, it really is Peter looking back and going, we got something better than y'all. You know what I mean? If Isaiah was saying, we got something better than y'all, it's Peter going, no, we got something better than y'all. And Isaiah and them couldn't argue with it if they were there. You know why? Because he said, we have a sure, more sure word of prophecy. What does that mean? It means that Isaiah, while he looked forward in hope of the fulfilling of the prophecy, Peter said, it happened. Peter said, we saw it. Peter said they came and got him in a garden. Peter said they put him on a cross up on a place called Calvary, the place of the skull. He said, Peter said, listen, even on the third day when they told us he was resurrected, me and John ran all the way over there, and John outran Peter, and he went to the tomb, and they looked in there, and they said, he ain't here. In the scripture it says, he is risen. I would have said, he ain't here. He ain't here. That's why Peter said, listen to me. Your Bible that you have, your scripture that you have, it is better now than it was when Isaiah spoke about it coming. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And look at this. If you've got that, look at the next statement. You would do well if you took heed to it. How many of you in here want to do the right thing? We want to do the right thing. 
you would do better if you would take heed to the word. If you'd stop trying to argue it and twist it and move it to where and maneuver it where you can still do what we all want to do and still have this, if you would go, you know what, I'm starting today, God, it's your word. Your word guides me. Your word teaches me. That's it. It's it. It's you. He says you would do well if you would take heed. You know, then he begins to explain it. Isn't it awesome? God doesn't leave it there. But this way he does. He said, It'd be, your life would be like a light that would shine in dark. He said, you're, you're one. It would be like what Rhonda said in her testimony. The hole wouldn't be patched, but the hole would be filled. He said, it would be like a light shining in a dark place. Until the day star would come. And it said it would rise in your heart. It said, but know this, that there's no prophecy of Scripture that's of any private interpretation. Or people do not have the right to go, I have this, and so I'm going to give you this word, and I've got this vision, I'm going to do this, because apart from Scripture, it's the final authority. It is the final authority. Listen, the Bible says that when the prophecy came, it didn't come because of the will of man in the Old Testament. It said because the Holy Ghost of God moved upon them. You know, that's what kind of book you got. How, how many of you have ever read a book before, and you, you, you know, it's the number one bestseller, you know, it's out there, it's at the books a million stores and you walk in and, and you just look at it and what mostly what does it do the, the the cover captures your eye first of all and then the first thing that people do whenever they get captured or captivated by the cover they go look at the back because that's all we really want to know the front and the back and we begin to look at it and a little synopsis a little summary about what's going on you go, that's, that's awesome and you get that book and you read that book and then all of a sudden when you finish that book it's probably the first book you ever finished and you get finished with that book. I mean, I didn't mean that in the wrong way. I'm saying, I'm not saying, some of y'all are like, I read all the time, you know. No, I mean that like when you do that first one, you go, you're so excited about it, man. You, you, you're like, I'm going to give you this book. I'm going to give you that book. There's a great book by Dr. Adrian Rogers that says, whatever Christian ought to know. I think I bought hundreds of them. Give them away. Just give them away. There's a great book by Josh McDowell that was an archaeologist that was setting out in his ministry to prove the Bible didn't exist. And the more, the more he searched for the evidence of God, he repented and came to God. And I, It's called More Than a Carpenter. And, and it's, it's only this thick, and it's, a, it's one of the first books I read, and I give it out. Love it. Give it away. Your Bible. What do you do with your Bible? And I don't want you to raise your hand. But seriously, how many of you read your Bible once, twice this week? Now listen, I'm not talking about getting your scriptures on Facebook where you're thumbing through and you go, oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to love that one. You know what I mean? We need a live button. We live that one. Not that. But seriously, honestly, be honest with you and the Holy Spirit right now. How much time do you give to reading God's Word? The sad thing is, is this, and I'm not trying to figure out how much y'all do. I, I absolutely don't want to know. But this is what happens. People come to me. And they either come to my office or they come and they call me and I meet up with them. And they're going through a hard time. They're going through difficulties in their life. And they talk to me and they say, bro, Steve, I just don't know if I'm saved. I don't feel saved. I don't feel this. And so we go back to their salvation. I said, what did you do when you got saved? Tell me about your salvation experience. And they say, I called upon. I did. I prayed. I, received, I do believe that he's the Lord. I did. I know I was saved. I was changed and all of that. And my very, if anybody's in here and knows, my very next question are two things. How much time do you give to prayer and to reading the Bible? And almost always... People do this immediately. 
not much. And I go, how do you expect? How do you expect for God to speak and move in you when you are filling yourself with everything else? And listen to me, there's nothing wrong with Christian books, but even Christian books should not take the place of the final authority. And I go, how much, how much do you think God is going to speak to you if you've never taken seven days to talk to him at all? Like not the Bible, I'm talking about prayer. What is wrong with you? I feel so disconnected from God. And I go, duh. Why wouldn't you? Let me ask you, Christians, how much time are you in the Word? How much time are you spending in prayer? God's Word is faithful. Here's the second thing. God's Word. Listen, look at the blessings. Look at this verse, right? The blessings of God's Word. There are blessings of God's Word. But the blessing is not really what you think. I promise you it's going to blow your mind. Look at verse 7. He says, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. (laughs) Okay. The blessing is not the word. The word's the word. Right? I know that some of y'all are thinking of the old song, the word, the word, the bird's word. The word is the word. Where does the blessings of God's word come from? Look at what it says. When you keep it. The blessing is when you keep it. All the kids that are in here. The blessing is not dad or mom coming into the living room going, Hey, whenever we get home this afternoon, we're all going to go swimming at Rickwood. The blessing ain't the word. huh? Not until they pull up in that parking lot, pay the fee thereof, and you get in the pool. That's where the blessings come from is when they keep their word. Right? And that's what the scripture says here. The blessings of God's word. Jesus says, behold, I come quickly. That's a wonderful thing that we should know. And he says, blessed or blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the book of this prophecy. See, it's not about just speaking it and saying, well, that's where all of our blessings come from. It's not that. It's about when we do it, when we keep the word of God. You know, the Bible says, and we're going to close in just a little bit. The Bible talks about all these wonderful promises of God. But every promise in God's Word has a condition. They're conditional promises. He told Abraham, he told Moses, he told David, he told them all. He had different blood covenants with them throughout all of the Old Testament Scripture. And these covenants that were written in blood covenants, they were conditional to us being obedient unto the Word of God, being obedient to do these things. That's why the Bible says in the book of Samuel, it it says that to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey God is more than all of your tithe and offering that you could ever give. To obey God is better than being at church every time the doors are open. To obey God is where the blessings flow from. Man, I, don't you love it? There, there, there. And I know y'all are looking at me like, like that. I wake up every day thinking about sunshine and happy thoughts. And I don't. This morning, I was, we, 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 we checked out at 8.30 and checked back in at 6 o'clock this morning. Got up, and this is one of those mornings where it was like God would speak to me before I rolled out of the bed. And I always try to go to bed at night trying to thank Him. And you're going to think sinful of me. That's okay. But I always go to bed. You know, I tell Patty goodnight. She's been asleep in the recliner or her chair for about an hour already. And then when we finally go to bed, I tell her goodnight and give her a kiss goodnight. And, and then I, I lay there, and I start just trying to go, Lord, thank you for this today. Thank you for that. And I go through the day. 
And I usually spend that time, and I fall asleep. I know you are, like, you sinful thing. You, buddy, you, didn't, you fell asleep in prayer, you know, and all that. No, I'm, I fall asleep. I'm talking to God. And so I fall asleep talking to him. So I try to wake up in the morning and just go, and then, by the way, you know, <laughs> in my next thing. But I try to continue that thought that, Lord, I'm just going to keep talking to you even in the morning time and just all of that. And the boys, I was talking about this morning, the boys hate it when I wake up like that because I'm like this, uh, I don't know if Patty really likes it either sometimes, but I'm this, uh, I don't know, just bundle of energy and just excited. I love morning time, don't y'all? Some of y'all are like, you, I hate you people. I don't like you people. I'm just excited God woke me up. And you got a body like mine, you're like, thank you, Lord. My heart's still going, you know. And I get up, and I'm just like happy, and I'm just walking around and, and making noises and stuff, you know. And those people that hate that, those, those nocturnal people, they hate it and despise it. And so I'm coming in there this morning, and I'm like, you know, we're going to have a good day. I'm thinking in my mind the whole time we're going to have a good day at church. I'm going over here and get me something to drink. I'm walking around. Andrew gets up. Andrew walks through there and he goes, good morning. And I go, hey, buddy, good morning. I love you. How'd you sleep? Good. You know, the dog, Waylon, the dog. We have a dog named Waylon. And he, he's a Chilweeny and he's nowhere near a tough Waylon. And uh, he's just coming along. And I'm like, hey, wait, wait. You know, and I'm like, what's up, buddy? And I'm telling him, hey, petting on him. And, and now Jacob's got a dog. And so Ollie comes through and she's this hound dog with long long, huge paw legs, and she's lankily walking through the house, boom, 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 you know. She comes in there, Jacob's the same way, boom, boom, like that. And I'm excited, you know, and I'm happy for the day. And we got to be here at 8 to do some practicing. Instead of looking, he's smiling now. And get to do some practicing stuff, and then Jacob goes, uh, I'm, going, I'm going to kill her. And I was like, what? Ollie, come here. <clears throat> and Ollie done a no-no in the... Uh, yeah, in the floor. <clears throat> and so Jacob's over there. <laughs> Listen, this is spiritual, I promise. Jacob's over there, and I said, mm, and I am now even more happy than I was when I woke up. Because I am like, not my dog. I don't have to do that. Yes! And I'm walking by, and Jacob is literally going, and I'm going, Dad, I want a dog. Dad, I want a dog. <laughs> so I'm, I'm loving it. And he's outside on the porch, and I'm going, Dad, I open the door. Dad, I want a dog. And, uh, yeah, because dogs are, you know. <clears throat> but the thing about it is, it's not always that way. If the, do <laughs> if the dog would be obedient and you know, keep and go, then blessings would be there, right? But also with us, we have to be trained. We have to go through those things to understand. What I'm trying to tell you is that your days, your days, you're not going to wake up and just know everything. And too many times, Christians, Christians, listen, because the world doesn't look to the Bible. The only time Christians bring and break open their Bible, and you could almost hear it go is when they're having a problem. It's when you have a problem. And even, please don't take offense if I do this and you've done it before because I'm not saying that there's no spiritualness in it and stuff. But then you do this, you're going, God, I'm just, I just need something. God, I just need something. And you go, oh, and you look over there. And, and you know, you've been struggling and you've been just, just 
terrified. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Lord, you know, I, I feel like I'm just going to hurt someone. And you go, I need, a, I need some blessing. And I open my Bible, and, oh, boom, and I put it on the Scripture. And therefore said he, take it up to thee and, and put it out in your hand. And <laughs> he took it. If you're going to hurt people, you don't want that Scripture. Right? There, there's a Scripture in here where, where David went into a cave to relieve himself. Where do, where do you find hope in that? If you're doing the... No, Christians, listen to me. Before you go home today, listen to me. You have a more sure word of prophecy. You have, you have at your hand's reach a book that's full of promises, covenants. You have a book that's full of wisdom, Brother Butch. Right, right there. But it ain't going to happen unless you keep it. Listen, I asked the first service, I ask you. How many of you, when you remember, you remember elementary school back in the day? Elementary school was the coolest thing ever. I spent more time out in the commons than I did in my classroom. But the book fair was coming. Everybody remember the book fair? Y'all raise your hand. This has helped interaction. Remember the book fair? How many of you, you I remember those smart kids. So if you don't understand my statement that I remember the smart kids, and if I say that, you understand what side of the fence I'm on on this next statement. I was the dumb kid. I remember those kids going, oh, I'm going to get this book, and I'm going to get this book, and I'm going to get this book, and I'm like, I'll have the Lamborghini poster. You know what I mean? Y'all, the ones that's laughing the hardest, those are my people. And they know what I'm talking about. Then the book fair people start, started thinking they were going to get smart and go, well, if these dumb kids are coming just to get the posters, we're going to put some education in the posters. Ruined it. Ruined it. And they had Garfield. And I didn't buy it because I didn't want it, but Garfield, they had a, they had a poster of him. The, te- the teacher bought it. Put it in the classroom. Garfield had a stack of books on top of his head. Craig knows where I'm going. Books, and it said, I'm learning by osmosis, right? Garfield's thinking he's going to soak it all in. It's just going to go in there. You know, how many Christians live that way? You think I'm going to get everything I need by just coming to church and hearing Brother Steve. And and you're getting stories about dogs. You think I'm going to get everything I need by just coming to Sunday school. And man, listen, men and women, you're missing it. God has also this other thing, the correction of God's word. This is what we don't want. That's why I saved it. Toward the end. Brandon's going to go ahead and come. Save it toward the end. Because most of the time, this is what we really don't. We want God's faithfulness. And we want God's blessing. But when it comes to correction, we don't want the correction. But the Bible even says that there was a correction time in this. Look at what the Bible says in Revelation 22. Look at verse 7. It says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell to, down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of the book. Worship God. Do you see what's going on here? This is, this is twice in the book of Revelation that this has happened. I don't know about y'all, but I like to try to picture these things out. And I don't know. I'm no angel. Y'all all know that. But if I were this angel... 
Think about it for a moment. Jesus steps out in verse number 7 and says, Behold, I come quickly. It's like he's testifying right there about everything. John is overwhelmed with being in the throne room of chapters 4 and 5, going through all of the tribulation and seeing all of those things where God is chastising and correcting Israel to bring them back, knowing that he hasn't forgotten them, Brother Carl. He sees all of these things, all this stuff. Jesus steps out and says, I'm coming quickly, and blessed is he that keep the sayings of all the prophecy of this book. And I'll, even John, it's so funny to me because even John, John said, the things that I heard and saw, or I saw and heard, I did all this stuff. Look at what he says. He said, and I saw these things and heard them, and when I heard them, seen them. You see what he said? He's like, he said, I saw them, heard them, then I heard, and, and, and what I heard and saw, he said, it, it moved him. John is like, his words are going, and he moves him, and he says, and I immediately, look at this, worship. John was not, not exhausted but it was overwhelmed, Brother Nick, when he saw all of the full plan of God and that God had stuck every person in that plan, including John himself. He was so overwhelmed that he fell down to worship, but where he fell, he fell at the feet of that angel. The wrong place. If I was that angel, I would be going, dude, get up, get up, get up, get up. Get up, he may be looking, get up. Because he says, you don't worship me. Look at verse 9. He says, no, 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 don't. He said, see that you don't do that. He said, there is none. In, late, in, in the earlier part of Revelation, he's none in heaven or in earth. No, no, no. He said, worship God. Worship God. And how many times have we been guilty of that? I know that some of you are going, I would have never done that, especially twice. And you look at that scripture and you go, why is that in there? To me, it's in there for two reasons. One of the main reasons, first of all, is Humility. This shows me that this is not a manly or a womanly or humanly written book because we don't confess our faults like that, especially over and over. And John says right here, he said, he's, he's showing us, I'm, I did this wrong twice. But the other thing I see is that there's only one that's worthy of worship, but what do we do? This, listen to me now, Paul told the church at Corinth, that church was so messed up. They got two books of the Bible. They were so messed up, told the church of Corinth. He said, I hear it's commonly reported among. He said, some of y'all stand around and say, I'm of Apollos. I, I, you know, I like Apollo, uh, not Apollo, Apollos. I like the way he speaks because Apollos in the Bible was very known for his eloquent speech. He was an orator. And they say, I like to hear him preach. And then Paul said, and some of y'all say, I'm of Paul. You know what Paul said about himself? He said, of all the sinners, I'm chief. And if you're looking at me for any good thing, it ain't me. It's Christ that lives in me. And he said, and some of you even say, well, Peter was the first one. The gates of hell would not prevail against what he established. And he told Peter that. So some of y'all say, I'm of Peter. Or they even said it like his brother Greg, I'm of Cephas. Using the rock, the phrase, the rock. He said, and some of you are so super spiritual, y'all say, we don't listen to anybody, we're just following Christ. You know what Paul says about that? And, and listen, everybody in here would do it. Some people say, I like Adrian Rogers. Some people say, I like Brother Steve. Some people say, I like Brother Matt. Some people say, I like Brother Donald. I like Brother Brian. Brother Brian brings a bag and he ain't ever brought a snake. I like, I like Brother uh, uh, Andrew because he's loud. He gets excited and does all that stuff. I, I like them. I like this. I like that. Some of you go, I like Tony Evans because Tony Evans is a bulldog preacher. Some of you say, I like Charles Stanley because he's 80 years old. And he was still preaching the Word of God, still doing work, and he talks in such a quiet voice. I like him. I like that. And you know what Paul answers with this? He says, 
are you not carnal? You know what that means? Are you not fleshly? Are you not fleshly? What happens to us is Brandon gets over there and he sings a Jason Crabb song. Right? Talking about those mountains in the valleys. All of a sudden, we're so moved by the words of the song, which is the words of the song that move us. And we come up to Brandon and go, Brandon, you're, you're the best, best singer I ever know. You're, man, all this stuff, when it should be, man, thank you for allowing God to move through you. Thank you for practicing that song, but for being obedient to sing the second verse again. Thank you for minding God. Brother Steve, thank you. not for. And listen to me. Before I close, I'm going to confess to you. John did. I will. There are times, and there's people that have even told me, don't do that, don't say that, even my very own wife. But there are times, I'm telling you, before I get up and preach, I go, God, please let me be calm. God, please calm me down. Don't let me be so emotional. Don't let me be so energetic. I know people are going, what are you doing? Why would you say that? And I have to even explain my heart to God. And this is what I tell them. Because, God, I don't want people to say anything else about me. Lord, I want them to see what your word is saying. And then I get up there and I get so excited, I can't help but get just emotional. You know why? Enthusiasm. Where did we come up with that big old word? It's an old Greek word and then a Latin word and Greek word. Entheos. Enthusiasm. Entheos. You know what that means? In theos. In God. Because I'm in God, I can't help but get excited. God's never answered my prayer on that yet because the Word of God moves. Here's the very last thing. The accessibility of God's Word. This is one of the best things. Look at verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Watch this right here. Y'all watch. Everybody look real, real quick. Come on. All of you. Watch this. There's my Bible. You see it? Watch this. Do y'all see that? Now some of you think I'm being facetious. No. That's how just that quick I have an access, accessibility to God's Word. That quick. But how many times have you done that simple motion? This week. Not, not your whole life. Listen to me. This week. How many times have you gone? And got in the Word. The final authority. This is God's holy book. And it's right there at your reach. And you come to me and go, Brother Steve, 